Hello, welcome to Vox Populorum, the Vox podcast. This is our first episode, and if you have been following us on Facebook, this is what we, we being me and Wayne. Hey, what's up, Mav? Um, um, this is the first episode of what we have been talking about. My name is Christopher Maverick. I will be going by Mav. Um, my co-host here is Wayne Wise. I'll be going by Wayne. <laughs> and today we have a guest with us, my friend John Dorowski. Hi, John. Hello. So the idea of Vox Popcast, if you've been following on the Facebook page, is I work as I'm a PhD student and pop culture analyst, and I go around to lots of conferences and sit on roundtables where I discuss some random pop culture um, concept, usually a topic, sometimes a character or a book or for me, a lot of times comic books and movies. The most recent time I did this was about 24 hours ago with John, (laughs) where we discussed uh, Green Green Lantern and the 75th anniversary of the character, 75th-ish, as we said. Yeah, we're around 78 now. Yeah, but uh, there, there we were for the conference we were at every year. We do the 75th anniversary of a character and we didn't do Green Lantern on time. So <laughs> it's 75 ish. Um, and uh, the thing with academic conferences, is I noticed a while back that they work sort of it's a bunch of people um, who are very geeky about one particular thing talking about that thing in depth and they're they're academics we are phd students and professors and uh master's students and just and in various disciplines um john and i both come from like a lit theory world but you'll have a psychologist a philosopher and we will talk about these issues and i realize that this happens every week at every comic book shop in america wayne and i literally do this weekly at the sh- yeah. at the shop he works at yeah we've had people saying to us for years now that we should podcast this and here we are finally doing it yeah. i um i work i am a comics retailer i and a freelance academic i guess i uh, i have a masters in psychology um I have written comics, I've drawn comics, I've, I've written books and essays and articles and reviews, that sort of thing. Um, I kind of fell into the academia through back doors. I've taught classes at Chatham University on comics and pop culture. Uh, I was on the board at the Pittsburgh Museum, one of very few comic art museums in the country, where I've done tons of presentations. Um, and as, as Mav said, basically, he comes in the store once a week to buy comics, and we go off on a tear on something fun and theoretical, and now we're going to do it for all of the internet. Right. Not always comics, and that's sort of right. the idea of the show. I mean, we, we sort of started with an idea of, well, we should do comics, because people are always saying, you should do this. And I always say, well, we do do a show. It's just that you have to be here on Wednesday whenever I happen to show up. No one records it, right? Yeah. <laughs> At the comic book shop. And, and you know, one of the things, and we've talked about this, one of the things that like, I, I've read, because of the stuff I've been doing, I've read a lot of comics academia, a lot of articles, and boy, is a lot of comics academia really just horribly boring and poor, poorly written. And I, I have this weird theory that popular culture should be accept, accessible to the people who enjoy popular culture. So part of the, the goal we have for this podcast is to bridge that. We want to talk academia but we want to have fun and every once in a while swear about something (laughs) (laughs) yeah and um so that was basically the concept for the show and as we as we'd been talking about it wayne and i did um we did a a conference together a, a joint 
Comic-Con and Academic Conference together um, with Danny Anderson, who's also going to be on the show in future weeks. Um, and we did that at a at a um, at a university uh, a couple months ago. And then we said, well, Danny records a podcast called The Sectarian Review. It's a free plug for Danny. And Wayne was on his show and I was on his show a few weeks later. And then we said, well, why don't we just do this? And that's sort of the origin of this show. Which leads us to the topic. If we're doing the first show, you know, we decide, what, what, what do we want to talk about? We've talked about a million things. What do we want to talk about on our first show? Since it is the first show, I suggested, let's talk about origin stories, which seem really pretty specific to the superhero genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and given that we've now talked about this for about 15 minutes prior to leaping into this today, <laughs> we're going to leap into this today. Well, if I, if I may, before you, before you leap into superhero origins, uh, since this is your first episode, what are your origins and uh, why are you into superhero comics? Yeah, good question. I, you know, before starting this, I, I said to Mav, we should give an introduction to ourselves and we completely skipped that part. Mav, <laughs> what's your origin? My origin, uh, I, I was rocketed to the earth. But no, <laughs> that's not right. Um, that's, that's a later note. Um, well, I started reading comics <laughs> regularly when I was maybe six or seven years old. Um, my parents are divorced. So I would, um, when I was flying from my mom's house to my dad's house, I would just get on the plane with a bunch of comic books. And that's what I did for that trip. So that's when I got into comics and fell in love with them. And now yes, make a career out of it. Um, but more than that, I'm a pop culture junkie. And w- one of the things that I need people to understand about this show is it's not a comic book show. This is a comic book episode. Probably a lot of them are going to be comic book episodes because that's our specialty. But I approach comics like I would any other literature. And one of the things you learn in lit studies is that term literature. What is a text is very, very broad. I might be talking about movies one week. I might be talking about video games. One I week. know I'm going to be talking about music at some point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so my origin is uh, I basically realized at some point, I don't know, around third or fourth grade, someone said to me that, you know, why are you, you know, you, well, you need, you know, you need to start caring about real books. And it's like, well, I do care about real books. I just happen to like the ones with Spider-Man in them best. And um, that's when it really sort of opened my eyes that why is Spider-Man less important than, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think of a, of a you know, Huck Finn. Some, I'm trying to think of something, somebody that I might have read at that point. I was a big fan at that time. Um, this is how old I am. I predate Harry Potter. So I was a big fan of the Wizard of Oz books. I've read them all and I read them all in, in third grade because I loved that world of fantasy. Um, so this is a way of me going back and saying, well, if I can analyze war and peace or i can analyze uh sense and sensibility why can't i do that same sort of academic rigor with um with comics and then if you fast forward 40 years 30 40 years um i ended up at a conference called pca aca pop culture association um, american cultural association where i wasn't the only person doing this and that's that's where i met john Yeah, I um I learned to read from comics. I, I genuinely don't remember there not being comics in my life. My mother is uh, an avid reader, uh, always has been, read to me a lot when I was a child, uh, a little bit of everything, and comics were just part of it. She tells me stories about reading you know, the Sunday funnies in the newspaper when she was a kid. Um, 
I'm older than Mav. My parents are both in their 90s now, so I was a late-life child for them, so they have memories of, of reading like old, old comic strips. But just reading in general was was big for me. I you know, Comics led me to all kinds of books. Like Mav, I read tons of that stuff when I was a kid. He mentioned Huck Finn. I read that in, I think, third or fourth grade. Sure, I missed the larger social commentary, but nevertheless, I, I read it. And I'm still an avid reader. I, you know, comics were a, a stepping stone, but it's led me to reading tons and tons of everything else. Um, superheroes, I guess, because they've been the the core thing in comics for so long. But I read a little bit of everything in comics, and and want to talk about stuff other than superheroes as well. Um, yeah, I just I, I decided. I guess you know, as a child, I grew up in an area that was incredibly rural. Um, it was sepia toned. It was Appalachian. Um, comics and music were, they were my Narnia. They were the TARDIS. They were the thing that added some color to my world and showed me, showed me there was a bigger place out there. And, uh, and I've just, I guess I've always followed that. I, um, and just as, as time has gone on, I got a master's degree in, in psychology. I have undergraduate degrees in history and psychology. I worked in the real world for a while until we eventually went, that's enough of that. <laughs> I started writing. I've always written and drawn, but I started doing it professionally as a freelancer in the 1990s. I got a job in the comic shop, which pays the bills. Uh, and as I said earlier, just kind of fell backwards into some of this comics academia thing because I enjoyed doing that. And uh, here we are. What about you, John? Well, much like you guys, pop culture junkie growing up, uh, though I came to reading a little bit later than you guys. You were saying that by third and fourth grade, you were voracious readers. I actually struggled with reading in third grade uh, and came around on fourth and then became a voracious reader. And uh, comics were one of the things that I think helped with that, um, just that re with reading comprehension. And uh I was a teenager in the 90s, which was peak Saturday morning cartoon superheroes. And that really informed my understanding of superheroes and uh, all their all my knowledge about them uh, as I came to use that as my gateway into comic books. And in college, I started to realize, hey, a lot of these theories we're talking about uh, in these literature classes and theory classes, they apply to comic books. And started figuring that out. And so I went to PCA uh, around 2005 for the first time. And found, and that was right when we started to get a boom in comic studies literature. Uh, first few conferences, I could go around to uh, the book vendors they have there and buy all the books that were related to comics. Uh, but... I could see it gradually that that was moving away that we've had, and especially now we've had a real explosion in the number of volumes out there on studying comic books. So again, for anybody who doesn't know, John and I are going to mention PCA a lot. This is because we literally got back from there yesterday. It is an annual conference, which is not just comic books. Um, the area that John and I work in is the comic book area, but there are just about any, any topic you want. Yeah. Oh, geez, you can you can you can do presentations on movies if it's if it's a big enough subgenre. There might be like there's panels just devoted to Star Wars, but then there's a panel on on science fiction. There's a panel on music. Uh, one of my favorite things to go just to check out is there is a panel on beer culture, just because people like beer. Yeah, people like beer in there, and you, you can go and you can sort of talk about what does it mean to sort of think about the culture that, that builds around 
around beer. And this podcast is just sort of an idea of being a mini version of that. We're going to pick a topic every week. This week, it's Origins. And um, some panel, and it's not always going to be the same people. Um, it was sort of Wayne and I had the idea, so we'll be on mo most frequently. But I want to sort of rotate this through. So we'll have the Facebook group and the blog. And if you have an interesting idea, we will ask you to call in and be on the show that week and host it with us, which is why John is here. Yesterday, or not yesterday, I guess a couple days ago at PCA, John had a talk all about how the superhero origin story with you know action comics came to be mm -hmm. so uh do you want to talk about superman first as the first superhero <laughs> and the origin of well i i yeah i think that's a good place to start because he is the the our hero for for superheroes you know and his his origin stories kind of started it all so i yeah let's start there <laughs> well if you don't know superman <laughs> uh he was rocketed away from Krypton uh, before it exploded while he was an infant and arrived on Earth, fortunately landing in the United States so he could get the best values, you know, um, and raised uh, in the heartland of America and then moved to Metropolis and started to use his powers to protect uh, those who couldn't protect themselves, which, especially in 1938, when Action Comics number one was published, this was in the midst of the Great Depression. Uh, and so the idea of helping those less fortunate or making sure everyone could have access to the American dream was a really powerful idea. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the things that becomes interesting. We were... Um, uh, the the question of this particular episode was we we were talking and it was like why does in the superhero genre especially we always need that origin story it's not just you can't just start and say so there's this guy who can fly i mean you can but no one ever does and i think superman in the very first in action comics number 1 that origin story is one page, but they didn't feel uh, Siegel and Schuster, the two people who invented Superman. Um, they felt as though we needed this introduction to, and he couldn't even fly. I mean, he, he barely had superpowers in that first book, you, you know, faster than the speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive was about it. And that didn't come about that phrasing didn't come about till later, but um, you had this guy who had these special abilities and, there was sort of an idea that in 1938, in order to understand who he was, in order to sort of take him as a hero for the people, um, you know, because he, he was, as you said, he was a patriotic character. But in order to take this alien as a hero for the people, we needed to know how he got here. Like it, it, it just became it was absolutely important to say, how did Clark Kent become Superman? And every hero since then has sort of followed that pattern every superhero since then has sort of followed that pattern but but the question is sort of why we why don't you know why do we need to know that he was rocketed from from krypton yeah i i know nothing about the origin or backstory of james bond and i don't care yeah yeah uh and i and maybe that's been dealt with in the book somewhere but it just it doesn't seem as important uh he's he's a guy and i think some of it is that whole this guy can fly the whole okay, this isn't the real world. We need to explain this in some fashion. Well, but Batman can't fly. So, no, so but he still needs a motivation to dress like a giant bat. And that was, uh, <laughs> that was an interesting, so uh, I, John, I don't know if you had a chance to look at any of the, um, 
of the comments on the website, but I, I asked people to sort of comment on these ideas. And uh, one of one of the people we know who um, who's, who's um, reading and hopefully listening, Link said he thinks that you know part of it is is like the costume. It's the idea of the costume, and he he re- he recognized um, Batman Year One. And I think if you're if you're not as old of a comic book reader, uh, perhaps you you've seen the Gotham television show that's on right now. And in Batman, if it's a if it's a guy whose parents are murdered, who's running around in a ski mask beating people up. You can just sort of accept that as as general fact. But the second he puts on a bat suit, you need to know why he's doing this. Mm-hmm. And it, it, as though we cannot accept that there is a guy in a bat suit in just we can accept in real life uh, in a natural world. There are vigilantes who go beat people up, but we can't accept. But he's dressed like a bat. I, I think there's something to that. I think that you know, pretty much the the tropes of the the superhero lend itself to that. They are just otherworldly enough and i i mean that in that we don't see them in our real life that there's some element we we need something to explain their presence in a real world the interesting thing about batman is he didn't actually have an origin story at the start it was in for six issues that they explained why he's dressing like a bat and fighting crime (laughs) he just was there and i think that links into the pulp tradition where you had heroes like uh the shadow and the spider and Doc Savage, like who I, I'm not as well versed on pulp heroes, but you know, maybe they didn't have their origin explained at the start. They just are, or also readers might not have gotten the first issue where they explain the origin. They just jump in and accept that the characters act this way. Yeah. I, you know, with, with Batman in particular, you're right. It, it was several issues in before they explained that. I think just the superhero genre was new enough at that point that they were, figuring things out as they went along. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, you know, Mav and I have talked about, you know, comics, superheroes very specifically being a modern mythology and, and using that definition, you know, mythology is, you know, one of the things we do is we, the, the purpose of mythology is to ask a couple of very basic questions. Where do we come from? What are we doing here? And I think the, the origin story is an attempt to, to serve those questions in this more modern, modern context. Well, Here's something I was wondering about when uh, Matt presented this topic uh, and your link to mythology makes it very interesting is how many of these mythic stories do we have origins for? I mean, you can go back to ancient Greece and we have characters like Hercules and Jason and we know where they come from. But then when you move into kind of the Middle Ages period, I'm using that very broadly. Uh, think about like how much is passed on about like the origin of King Arthur or Robin Hood. <laughs> I, I have King Arthur in my notes. I, yeah, I, I have a bit of a King Arthur fetish and it, it's one of the things I'll probably talk about on this show eventually. But yeah, I mean, there, there's an origin, the whole, he pulled the sword from the stone, but there've been so many variations on that. And well, it, yeah, the, you get so many variations and also in that case, it just kind of gets lost in time. And so I'm wondering if having an origin is an American idea because America has a definitive historical origin. I mean, how many of us can say when uh, the Gauls became French mm-hmm. or when the Britons became the English 
when we, we can say Native Americans became American. Yeah, I, well, I think with with the ancient myths, there's a certain amount of this was an oral tradition. No one knows where it originated. You know, on some level, the idea of powers like Hercules can do these things because he's a demigod. <laughs> uh, Apollo can do these things because he's a god. So that sort of origin isn't necessarily needed. Same way with the, the King Arthur stories and myths is they, they it was an oral tradition. This stuff built from you know, for several hundred years, pieces have been added to it, still being added to it. Mm-hmm. We have that happening with the superheroes as well. I mean, you've, Mav, you've talked about right. all the variations on Batman's right. origin. Well, okay, okay, so here's, if I'm looking at Batman, uh, John, you pointed out that the first time we see Batman, it's a story about him stopping a criminal, um, and, he's, and he just is Batman. You find out on the last page that Batman is secretly Bruce Wayne, but you don't know, you don't know up until that point. Um, and I think it's six or seven issues later, as you pointed out, they're like, oh, here's the secret origin of Batman. Um, yeah. and you find out about crime alley and his parents being murdered. But now much like I don't accept a King Arthur story unless I see some kid pull a sword out of, sto- out of a stone. I need that. Some variation of it. Yeah. I don't accept Batman. It's, it's not Batman to me unless I see. Martha's pearls get fall, fall, you know, fall <laughs> through the sky in slow motion. I, I, I linked to um, the Vulture video um, on the on the podcast website, but uh, of how many times we've seen this, and and comic book fans tend to complain. Oh, do we need another Batman origin story? Can't we just keep hit the ground running? But if I were not a huge fan of the medium, I think I do need that. I think I need that in Gotham. I think I need that on some level in order to start seeing it as it's just as important as the bat on his chest to see his parents get murdered in crime alley. And that's different. That's different than most mythology. I, I mean, I, I think that, I think that with Hercules, there's a very specific 12 labors. There's 12 labors. Is that really his origin? No, his origin is that his, the child of Zeus and, and well, I don't even remember who his mother is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jason and the Argonauts. The Argo is, it's not really his origin, origin story. That's the story. And I, and I think, like, I don't know the, the origin of Huck Finn. He's just an orphan. It doesn't matter where, how he met Tom. Here's where the story starts. And I, and, but for Batman, that story doesn't start when he goes out and, and starts beating people up. That story starts the second um, he walks out of, and, and this matters. Was he seeing Zorro? Was he seeing the Scarlet Pimpernel? I need to know which <laughs> which opera he was walking out of. Was it an opera? Was it a, was it a movie? Um, is he happy to be there? Does Bruce want to go down Crime Alley or not? Like these are little variations that sort of inform my my version of my my understanding of. Am I reading the comic book Batman? Am I reading the Christian Bale Batman? Am I reading like I never saw that for Adam West, and it's kind of weird. It's weird that I don't know how Adam West's parents were murdered in that album, <laughs> in a in a wacky way, in a elaborate death trap, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, I think it brings up an interesting point where you're talking about your understanding of the Batman mythos and the necessity of uh, seeing the pearls fall in Crime Alley. And that wasn't created until 1986 in Batman Year One. Yeah, right. right. And, so, and now it's in every single one. Yeah. yeah. So this, I think, every this, single one version. I think it links back to uh, your point about the ancient myths being an oral tradition. That we need that repetition to and yes. it accrues over time all these additional meanings until you can get to the point where, with Spider-Man, for example, Spider-Man Homecoming, 
we don't need another origin story. Everyone knows the origin because it's been so widespread. And so while we might not be at that point for all characters right now, you know, in another hundred years, we might be at a point where people don't need to hear the origin. They just will mm-hmm. jump in. So another one of the comments on, on our website was from, from Mike Higgins. And he says he talks about the origin being necessary to give you a starting point for the character. And he, he, he invokes his, his fictional character, Hero Man. And I'm wondering if that should be that should be our, gen, our generic hero for the podcast. So <laughs> yeah. Hero I, Man. Yeah, I, I, I wrote a uh, while back. I wrote uh, how about hero sort of, person just so we're gender neutral. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> well, I'm wondering if I'm wondering if there you know if there are variations. Maybe I'll post this, repost this as a future episode. But a while back, I wrote a um, here's how I see the five generic plots of all superhero movies that are just repeated ad infinitum. And um, I called my hero Captain Fucknuts, which, <laughs> which again, we're allowed to swear on this show. But um, but I wonder, I wonder if Hero Man or Hero Person is uh, is Makes a more is a more you know approvable version of the story. But um, Mike claims that the basic rule of a Hero Man comic book is Hero Man punches monster that's threatening Metroplex City, and that goes on for twenty two pages, and you don't want to spend valuable um, real estate re-explaining why hero man is strong or why he spends all of his time punching monsters so you get this one issue that's set up and then you refer back to it and i think he's got a point but then that's not you know as we've been saying with this oral tradition we don't just have one issue where hero man punches the guy whenever we think the readership's turning over whenever the whenever the author changes because it's a shared universe so every 15 20 issues we see and maybe it's longer maybe it's yeah. 30 issues but we see continuous revisitings of someone else's interpretation of mm-hmm. hero man getting his his monster punching powers and I think that that idea of a jumping on point, something Mike said there, I don't have it right in front of me. Well, you know, there was the whole Stan Lee got tired of coming up with new origin stories so he created mutants, which leads into this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we got backstory on the X-Men, but how did they get their powers? They, they were born that way, which you know takes some of the, the need to come up with a new origin story away. But I, I remember you know, that jumping on point, like they introduced Wolverine in the, the mid-70s. And part of what was interesting to me about him, and I think to the readership at the time, and yes, I'm old enough, I was reading that stuff as it came out, is we didn't get his origin immediately. Part of the interest in Wolverine was he had this mysterious background. If you read that now, it was like issue 100, 99 or 100, where we saw him pop his claws out of the back of his hands for the first time. Prior to that, we thought it was part of his gloves. Mm-hmm. And the first time I read that, that was a stunning revelation. Like, oh, my God, that's part of him. Is that his mutant power? What is that? And, you know, 20 issues later, we find out that his bones were made of metal. But it was 20 issues later. And you don't get that now because you go into it knowing that stuff. But the problem is they tried to maintain that mystery for that character for the next 40 years and kept adding new things and repressed memories and things that weren't real and things that were real and implanted memories. And at some point, it just that was enough. You know, you, you couldn't maintain that mystery. I don't know that I care what his or- true origin is anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the not knowing at that time felt more important than actually knowing it. And he's been so he's been rebooted so many times that I'm I don't know what the so the least successful of the X Men franchise of movies, and that's saying something, is the one that's called Wolverine Origins. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and going back to the mythology thing, you know, I mean, so much of them that that where do we come from? Why are we here? They're they're the creation myths. You know, there was that explanation of how did the world come to be? 
and I think we need that, particularly in a shared fictional universe, you know, the Marvel universe, the DC universe. Mm -hmm. Like, what is this? How did it come to be? And if you read enough Marvel books, you read enough DC books. I mean, DC has that thing with they they went back to the beginning of time, and there's the giant hand there. What is that giant hand? And mm -hmm. You know, Galactus is actually the last survivor of a previously existing universe who was reborn into this one. So you know, we get these grand creation myths that are origins for this entire world where Spider-Man can get bit by a radioactive spider and get powers. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess there are meta levels of origin story here. Well, I think along with this, um, as you say, like with the ancient myths, it was partly explaining the world, but also... Uh, was that oral tradition, which meant that before they were written down, they passed through at least dozens of people and maybe hundreds of years of refining and forgetting things and adding things in. And with the print culture we have, we can't forget. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important, too, because you're, you're right. It went through, you know, in some cases, centuries of, of refinement. And, and, you know, the stories, I'm sure, at that time adapted to new circumstances, to, to new new ways of living. We just don't have a record of it. Well, actually, we do have a record in some cases with Hercules. Yeah. Uh, for his earliest versions have him barely going outside the borders of Greece to complete his missions mm -hmm. and later versions have him have him traveling all the way to Spain to complete his missions. And so as, mm -hmm. as the world got more known to the Greeks, uh, his, his journey got bigger. Got bigger yeah. And you can trace that in the, if you find all the versions of Hercules stories that were written down. Mm -hmm. well, and, and you going back to the, the King Arthur stuff, same thing, all the various written versions of it over time that came out of an oral tradition and then working things together. You know, the, the Tristan and his old story is really, it, it was a separate set of, of stories. They got woven into the King Arthur mythos over time. Well, even, and even King Arthur, I mean, the sword and the stone stone story, we call it Sword in the Stone because of T.H. White, but there, yeah, right. right. I mean, yeah. there's a there's a Mallory version. Is there? I don't. Is there a Christian Detroit version? I'm not sure, but there's. Yeah. It's been retold. It's subtly different each time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and you know, so much of the the imagery of that, you know, the Holy Grail imagery you know, is very is a very Christianized version of old goddess worship cauldron stories. Mm -hmm. So you know, once again, the symbols change as as different groups of people tell these stories. Well, the Grail isn't even originally. I mean, we we associate the Grail as, and we use it now in like sort of popular discourse as the Grail is the cup of Christ, right? But that's not said in the Mallory stories. The Grail is just this thing thereafter that they're it, searching for. It, and, and there, there's there's stories of uh, you know, old Celtic stories. A character named Bran who takes seven warriors into the other world to retrieve a cauldron, mm -hmm. and, and the cauldron is a cauldron of life. It, it's it's mm -hmm. it's the cornucopia. It's never-ending food. You can eat from it forever. Uh, mm -hmm. So you know a certain amount of everlasting life that comes from that. Mm -hmm. but yeah, as as those stories became more and more Christianized, it became the the cup of Christ and and. Right. Grail doesn't mean cup. I mean, it's just, right, yeah, it, it's a container. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder, but I wonder if, you know, if you're going to take that story. So weaving it to something that I mentioned earlier, that becomes part of the, um, of the Indiana Jones myth. Yeah. But Indiana Jones has no origin. He just, he can just jump into an established myth and okay. We're going to assume that everyone knows that the Holy Grail is the cup of Christ just because they do. At this point, we're assuming that everybody knows who Indiana Jones is because he, we do. So go. 
And what's interesting to me about Indiana Jones, separate from being a superhero, because I, I I don't think he is, and this is a different. Maybe it, what is a superhero is like the next episode. Yeah, you know? We won't get but, it. Um, we hashed that discussion. We had it. Yeah, <laughs> not, not, yeah not gonna do that right now. But um, if we're gonna say Indiana Jones is a character, Raiders of the Lost Ark doesn't start with an origin story. No. We don't know how he became a professor. We don't care. We just know what professors are. Not only that, Raiders of the Lost Ark starts at the end of another movie. Like yeah, it, right. the, the very first couple of scenes are him finishing up some other mission that we don't even know what it is. He just yeah. finishes it off and it's like, all right, this is what he does every day. Uh, you know, as professors do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> John, how many times have you run down the, um, uh, the, well, I guess we wouldn't be chasing historic artifacts. We'd be chasing action. Number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think that only happens once you have tenure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a whole different discussion. Now you, just, you get tenure, you send your grad students out to find that stuff. Right? <laughs> well, and you know and the the idea of creation, this bringing it into the the modern era, you know, and using the term myth very broadly. But it, we talk about the Big Bang theory. We we you know Darwin on the origin of the species. We're still looking for where did we come from? Why are we here? We're doing it through scientific things now, but you know that language is as esoteric to the average person as you know, Kryptonian or, or whatever. But we're still looking for for those answers in in our science, and in many ways, our science has replaced mythology as the explanatory mode mm-hmm. of our our culture. But you know, who really understands Big Bang theory or? quantum physics are the things that they now tell us are the origins of our evolution, any of those things. Um, for most of us, they are stories. Yeah. And I think I have a quote from Adam Savage of Mythbusters. And it was something along, something along the lines, I'm going to misquote it here, that science and art are just different ways of trying to explain the world uh, and make sense of the world. And so, and uh, they're not mutually exclusive. They reinforce each other constantly. And so when science makes a discovery, stories are going to start integrating that. And we see that definitely with um, superheroes, as you mentioned before, uh, the Big Bang Theory. Well, DC has the hand at the beginning of the universe and Marvel has Galactus coming from the previous universe at the Big Bang. And so they integrate all these discoveries uh, either to explain something they already had or try and make sense of the science through art. Very much so, yeah. And and you can see how that changes as science changes the influence that has on on the characters as well. You know, when I first started reading Iron Man, his suit was trans was powered by transistors. The amazing power of transistors and most powerful technology in in the world in 1964. You know? uh, I read a little bit later than that, but it was transistors. I mean, you had to keep those roller skates in your boots running somehow, right? So, yeah. But you know, and and now it's you know nanotechnology and living liquids and liquid metal and you know all that stuff uh the engineer and the authority 15 years ago mm-hmm. it was you know like nanites that just lived in her bloodstream that could come out and form whenever she needed so one of the questions i wonder if we're if we're gonna we've been focusing on the big two um if you're yeah. not a comic book fan um one of the things that that we just sort of accept in comic in comics is there are there are two important companies, and then there are all the ones that where where all the interesting things are happening. But, um, <laughs> the the other ten percent of sales, <laughs> right? Yeah, the other ten percent of sales. But like the two biggest companies are Marvel and DC, easily, and that's and they 
basically have run the superhero mythology for the last since 1938. Well, <laughs> well, but but certainly they've had almost total control since the 60s. Oh yeah, between yeah. the two, there have been there have been yeah. other people in in and out. And I'm wondering if so. I'm I'm just looking at other comments. Well, we had Caitlin Green say something very similar to what Link said, which was we need an we need an origin story to understand why you're a superhero and as opposed to being a hero. So now I'm trying to think. It's it's hard to say who is and who isn't a superhero. And as as John said, that's a different conversation. But for think for people we commonly accept as superheroes in things that aren't Marvel or DC stories. Do we have that? And I think we do. I think um, Invincible, which just finished up, yeah. I know his origin. Yeah, Buffy, who I'd argue is a superhero, yeah. I know her origin. And is that part of something that makes you a hero, yeah. a superhero? Well, and you know, yeah, with with these other companies, you know, you're using those examples like I, you know, Mage, which I'm sure I'll talk about at yes. some point on this show. You know, we see. Kevin encounter the world made in the first issue of that series and, and you know, his powers developed. It's an origin story. I, and I'm going back to the, you know, the eighties when we had that first explosion of small press stuff outside of Marvel and DC. And you had you know, all the you know, Nexus and Grimjack and, and Grindel and whatever. And, you know, I, I'd be willing to bet if I went back and looked at those first few issues, we got something resembling an origin story mm -hmm. for most of them. The only ones I can think of that didn't, are the well i know uh some of the image stuff like i don't know that there's an, an i'm not a fan but i don't know that there's an origin story for young blood yeah um it just it, it just jumped off and said okay these guys kind of like the x-men corporate let's move on yeah um <laughs> and i don't but and, and that's i don't know if there was you know they went back and retold some of their origins over the course right, of those I stories or not i don't know those stories well enough but i do know i was a big fan of ellis's authority yeah and there's not an origin story, not in the same way for authority and planetary. You get some backstory over time of where Jenny Sparks came from mm. or where Midnighter came from. There's been there there has been on and off like they've like in Midnighter's solo series, you get more fill in. But for the primary authority book and for the primary mm. planetary book, you don't get it. However, those characters are very much for the most part archetypes that are based on care. Like you are supposed to understand that Midnighter I'm looking at him. Something like Batman happened to this guy. Let's move yeah, on. I think part of Ellis's plan with the authority very specifically was these are archetypes. The, these are they are meant to be symbolic. Apollo is every Superman like character who has ever appeared. Right. Uh, and, and, and their origin story didn't matter to who they were right now. Right. So so those characters become sort of do we need an do we need an origin story in order to tell us something original about our superhero, about our about our modern mythology, our modern gods? Well let's go back to Superman for a second. Like you have like Batman has this very tragic origin that explains why he's dressing as a bat. But if you look at Superman's origin in the first few years there's no explanation of why he's dressing in this brightly colored costume and going around helping to save people. He arrives from Krypton, and that explains his powers, but it doesn't explain his so mission. Doesn't tell you why. Yeah, and so I think we need these origin stories to help explain the mission of the heroes, uh, why they act. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for Superman, like that's been filled in. Batman, they keep filling in more and more of why is he do this. And so I think it's less about necessarily the costume 
uh, as someone uh, mm-hmm. mentioned before, but it's more about explaining their mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that's one of the definitions of superhero for what is a superhero episode. Yeah. yeah. And I also, I, would, I think the whole concept of costume and mask and mask theory is mm-hmm. probably a whole other episode as well. Yeah. But, but in, but even in context of an origin though, um, yes, we understand well, what do we need to understand about our superheroes, about our about our myths? Let's not even say yeah. the question is, why is it we said, why are superheroes special? But are they if we're going to say a modern mythological character and I'm going to widen this to not just be superheroes, but things like you know, things that have a clear mythology. So your diehards, your um, your Star Wars is. Do we need you know, Star War I? Star War uh, Star Star I, I like <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so your Star Wars films, your your Indiana Jones films, um your Kiss and P Funk album series. <laughs> um when you're looking at things like this, how much of an origin do you need in order to follow along? Because you've got a mission and you've got powers that sort of define the character. Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, Black Panther, to be topical. We've got sort of a whole world that is built from, you know, from this moment of bit by an act, radioactive spider and my, my uncle got killed. Uh, killed. So this defines everything else I'm ever going to do as a character is based on two actions in Peter Parker's life. Everything that Bruce Wayne ever does is based on this moment when his parents get shot. Superman's a little more complicated, as John just explained, but it, but we we do need that. But, well, uh, you bring up Star Wars. Did we really need to know Darth Vader's origin? Yes, he's a villain, but no, like, no. But we needed to know Luke's. Yeah, but we, yeah. or, or, well, what well, we got. We even need to know who Luke's mother was and uh, all this backstory that sets up Luke and Leia. Do we really like are the prequels no. necessary <laughs> for the so okay so so let me ask you this then what is the origin so uh, so if I'm gonna say if I'm gonna say Batman I have a very definite Batman and Spider Man I have a very definitive part thing idea in my mind of the bare minimum I need in order to understand Batman or, or Spider Man I need to know about the radioactive spider bite and I need to know about the death of Uncle Ben. Or I can just assume it like I do in Homecoming. In Homecoming, I assume that it's something similar to what happened to Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire in the last 10 years. So that's why they skipped it. Um, and I know, and I need to know for Batman, parents get shot in Crime Alley, raised by my butler. I need to know, I, I need to know but that. Does, including Superman, that really improved Batman v Superman? It, and actually including twice um, in the film? Did it really improve that film? <laughs> Nothing could improve that film. Well, so okay, so so <laughs> yeah, I I don't no one no one in this conversation is a big fan of that movie, um, and maybe we should have found someone who was. But but I I will I will devil's advocate. That's like a looking bit. for the Grail. <laughs> well, but but here but here's my here's my point with it. They didn't know that was going to be a bad movie. They maybe they should have. But assuming yeah. they were trying to make a good movie. And they were going to have a complete story for the story that they were trying to tell. You needed to you needed to make sure that anybody coming to that film who was completely who grown up on another planet and didn't know anything about these characters needed to understand who Batman was as a person in order to understand why he was trying to kill Superman and why he stopped. And again, 
failure in execution, but like for the base story, you needed to know that. And I think for the base story of Star Wars, you need to know that he, you need to know that Luke is a person who's always been in search of a family and a mission and a sense of adventure. Do I need to know the backstory of what I got through, how his parents fell in love in episodes one through three? No, and I don't care. And it's what scares me about Solo, the movie that's coming out. Yeah. Like, I don't care yeah, about you, you don't. Um, what happened to Han Solo before he shows up in that canta- that cantina. Like, that's that's where Han Solo's story starts for me. So what do you what is an what is an origin really? Yeah, I mean, is an origin getting your powers? Because I do need that for Luke. Luke's Star Wars four through through six or four through seven, four, five, six, four through six. I, yeah. I have to do this. I, I math is not what I do. Um, <laughs> at Star Wars four through six are really a story about Luke growing as a Jedi, he, him getting the Jedi powers and him learning to be a hero. So that's really his origin. And that's what I'm caring about. Not him, not what I see in one through three. And if we look at those Star Wars films, it's really the first one's that origin or a new hope to be specific is the origin story because that's where Luke discovers that he has powers, but then he also loses his mentor. And so you have that hint of tragedy that uh, right after that scene on the Death Star, where they're back on the Millennium Falcon and escaping, he says, I'm going to complete Ben Kenobi's mission and become a Jedi. Mm -hmm. So that's an origin of Luke Luke Skywalker. Clearly. Yeah. You have that origin encapsulated within that one film. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my, my generic example earlier was John McClane. Do we have an origin for John McClane? If we look at John McClane as a mythological character, a superhero, as you will, then that first Die Hard movie, and this is complicated by, they're trying to make prequels now, but I'm ignoring that. That first first Die Hard movie, the best Die Hard movie, is here's this regular guy rising to the occasion and you know he's not a superhero in that movie so it's different than all the other ones because he maybe two but he he really is just this guy who doesn't know if he can pull this off but he has no choice so that maybe becomes the john mcclane origin story but it wasn't intended that way yeah it absolutely wasn't intended that way but is that why we don't need it that was intended to be a standalone film it wasn't intended to be a franchise so this is just the story of john mcclane he's a guy who gets trapped in this building one day and here's how he rises to the occasion. Here's how he goes through his heroic his heroic journey. So, so maybe, well, yeah, well, I was going to say, so maybe because um, comics are an ongoing story, they're meant to be an open-ended narrative. That's why we need to start, a heroic journey, journey starts with one step, and that step is the origin. Well, actually, that was the thought I was going to say, so... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, since there's a one-off film uh, intended as a one-off film, it doesn't need the origin because you just have that. You don't have a continuing mission, whereas other all the other heroes have something about their origin drives a continuing mission to help others and do good. Okay. So my counter would be the the most famous continuing mission I can think of, <laughs> which is a five-year journey. Um, like, That's what was going through my yeah, brain. But like, yeah. if you're, if you're going to do Star Trek and there are later, like the, the Abrams reboot certain, certainly gives you an origin story, but Abrams is, is making films in a world informed by 21st century over-reliance on, on franchise superhero films. If we go back to Roddenberry's original, Look, they're on a ship. They're flying around. They're fighting Klingons. Yeah, <laughs> that's, they're, they're, they're exploring. Yeah. yeah, that's there's no origin. There's no explaining how Kirk got on the ship, how how Spock got there. And it's in, in just, the original series, there's very little backstory on, on right. any of them. 
Right. You develop stuff as you go along. Yeah. But with the original series, especially, and you can talk about it as the continuing series, it's also a community coming together uh, on this mission. It's not an individual on the mission. So we're like, we can explain why, might mm -hmm. need to explain why an individual needs to do this, but do we need to explain why a community comes together to do good? I don't know. Do we? Or is that, or is it just assumed that communities do? Yeah, that's the question. Like, are we? Do we need an or? Do we need an origin for the crew of the Enterprise, or can we just say they all agree on this mission and therefore mm -hmm. they're all together? And so, if if, enough people, if we have enough consensus like that, and is it then can we say democracy declares that this is a good mission? Maybe. I mean, they're I mean they're in space, but effectively. There are seven characters on a boat, and we know how navies work. I mean, it's not there's not there's no explanation needed. Navies happen in real life, and this one happens to be flying from planet to planet, so we don't need to explain stuff. Yeah, so maybe we don't need an origin story for them. We can just assume their mission is good. I mean, yeah, there was a certain amount of you know backstory, you know, Spock the alien, you know, a little bit about Vulcan culture that we had to be explained to. Us. Yeah. yeah, and then we probably even in the movies probably got more backstory for him than, than right. anybody else during the series. That's just organic. Like, yeah, he, he's, he's just, just a guy who, on the first couple episodes, he's a guy who talks like this and has no emotion, Captain. You know, there's no, mm, there's no, no explanation. Yeah, you know, like I don't even know if they tell you originally that he's part human. That just sort of comes up eventually. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and McCoy is. I'm an I'm an old country doctor. Doctor, but you know, we never got the Doctor McCoy back in you. Know, <laughs> that's that's the origin series I want to see. Hank McCoy, medicine man. You're right. <laughs> it's not Hank McCoy. That's right. That's, 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 that's a different McCoy. What is what, what is Doctor McCoy's name? Bones. Bones is yeah. He has a first name. Uh, Leonard, 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 Leonard. Leonard McCoy, medicine man. I just lost so many geek cred points. <laughs> that's it. The podcast is <laughs> so much for our continuing mission. <laughs> But well, but I, I I think it is an interesting question. I, I think that I'm not sure anymore. Like when we started, it was like, oh well, why do only superhero stories have origins? But now the question is, if the question is, what is an origin story? So outside of superhero stories, what are our continuing mythology franchises right now? Like we have start, we have Star Trek is and Star Wars, mm. and I mean, I think they're mostly movies. Walking Dead as a comic book, um, every every soap opera. Um, is a is a continuing epic to lose geek cred. I was a, I for many many years. I haven't been watching it recently, but I've been a fan of Days of Our Lives. I, I was in the General Hospital forever. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. But there's no <laughs> like there's no origin stories. You just sort of start somewhere and then characters come in and come out. But I don't know. You know, I know on Days of Our Lives, it's the family, it's the Brady family, and they. Um, are they, they're there and you know they're a family and people do stuff yeah yeah well and that's you know do how many of us have an origin story in our, our real life i mean you know, we started this out sort of joking like mav what's your origin story yeah sure. what and but you know like it's it's a series of baby steps that got all of us here talking today you mm -hmm. know if i tried to list everything that brought me to this point in my life mm -hmm. You know, that I didn't have that a bat flew through my window, so I'm going to study comics. It's never quite as simple as that. If someone out there had that moment where oh, bat flew through my window, that never happened to anybody else. Oh, there's a character like me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really, I really want to hear from you. Well, and 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 maybe that's it. You know, with our fictions, we we need. You know, they are reflections of of reality as, as opposed to reality. They're an attempt to make sense of the wor world around us. And for those things, we need something a bit more concise or 
the the conceit of the origin story. We all want to know where we came from. Why are we doing what we're doing? And you know, if we could all just point to that moment. Well, I, I'm I'm doing this because a bat flew through my window. My parents were murdered in an alley. <laughs> Very few of us have that defining moment. Well, few of us are also out there fighting crime as vigilantes. So. <laughs> It may, maybe, oh, here, we're going to get real metaphysical. Maybe we're all looking for that defining moment. Maybe maybe the origin story speaks to us because we, we're looking for a defining moment in our own life. You know? Well, if we want to get into the psychology of it, so you poured in an article, but it can be argued that superheroes, we talked about Superman at the very beginning. Superman exists sort of as a protector of Jewishness in 1938. Yeah. And it's become more. Yeah. But at the time, it's like, this is a guy who will fight for your right as an underprivileged American in a society that oppresses yeah. you. And I, I know for both Wayne and I, the prototypical superhero isn't um, isn't Superman. It's Billy Batson. Wish fulfillment <laughs> fantasy for, uh, for uh, a, a, a young boy. And I think if you're looking at this is this is a character who makes me feel okay about myself. Black Panther makes me feel okay to be, to be a black man. Um, Wonder Woman makes me feel like there's a hero for, for women. If you're looking for a hero that means that, then maybe the origin story is, this is the moment that helps me make sense of my entire life. There is no randomness. It's okay that Uncle Ben got killed. It's okay that Batman's parents got killed. It's okay that um, Superman's entire world got killed. And there's a whole question as to, you know, the, the death of, death starting these these origins um and to look at i just thought of another continuance look at the disney princesses they frequently start with the death of a parent this is a story that will help me make sense of the of tragedy my life might not be you know i'm an awkward nerd who reads comic books but everything's okay because there's this one moment where this bat flew in through my window and that makes that's what I'm looking for in life. I'm looking for this one moment that crystallizes everything else and gives me a pattern to and go forward on purpose. And and there's something good comes out of these things. Yeah. That understanding tragedy that, you know, yes, Superman's entire planet blew up, but look at everybody he saved since then. So yeah, just making sense of the, the, the idea of a greater purpose that we can, there are lessons to be learned through even the, the worst tragedies that can happen to us. And yeah, most of these origin stories seem to, to be tragic. Mm-hmm. They have some element of tragedy to them. At least until the Silver Age when it's just all science. Yeah, right. Yeah. And alien gave me a magic ring. Cool. So we looked back <laughs> at ancient mythology and that that was usually trying to make sense of the world, but on a grand scale, on kind of a global scale of why do we have seasons? Why do we have weather and such? And so if we move on to the 20th century, uh, now science is fulfilling that role. But as you point out, these are now sense making stories for our individual lives of how we make sense of uh, mm-hmm. not uh, these big concepts of weather and uh, and how the universe works, but rather how do we navigate our own lives? And I don't know if I have an answer for that. I mean, I, I, like, I, <laughs> well, no, but I, I and I think this is why. And again, we're definitely gonna have to have have another show of why our various reasons for why we think why we think of of. You know, of <laughs> Our Gods Wear Spandex is a, is, a, is a favorite book of Wayne, both Wayne and mine. Um, but why we think of superheroes as a modern mythology. Um, but I th- I don't know that I have an answer. And that's maybe why I read comics, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like there, it, why, why I'm still reading comics. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for answers to these questions in lives that that science maybe just doesn't answer for me. You know, like... Um, 
there's I'm I'm not a terribly religious person, and I, I often say I don't need God. I have Batman, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but um, but religion, mythology, just literature in general. Um, like again, why do I read comics? Because it's sort of, in a way, it's comforting to believe that there is a person with a morality so simple and a drive so simple as Batman's helps make a complex world that I live in for real with areas of gray and politics and, and life. Mm -hmm. It's sort of refreshing. Batman would be a horrible, terrifying person in real life. But in order to, but in order for me to accept that, no, there's this black and white world where a guy shows up in a tuxedo with an umbrella and it's okay to just punch him because he's robbing a bank. A guy shows up in clown makeup. It's okay to just punch him. And that's, that's the right righteousness and wrongness of the universe is just, you know, Batman would be a horrible person in real life that we would arrest immediately. Yeah. But we can, we can accept it because, well, you know, his parents were killed when he was a little boy. So let's just give the guy a break. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and I and, and we wouldn't do that in real life. Yeah. In real life, we look at criminology and we start to figure out why are the, why is this man shooting up? Like we just did this. We just had yeah. the, the the shootings in in, in in Florida. Why is he shooting up a school? What horrible thing happened to him? Well, and we want to understand it, but we still don't want that guy to be okay. Yeah. Well, and, you know, let, let's bring it back to comics. I just just saw the movie uh, and I had read the book ages ago with my friend Dahmer, which is you know, the origin story of a serial killer, essentially. Because you know, things like that happen in our real world, and what's the first thing we ask? Like, how could that happen? Right. How could somebody well, get but, there? But Jeffrey Dahmer didn't kill bad people. But I don't think it would yeah. have mattered if you. Yeah. So Frank Castle is the Punisher. Mm-hmm. Frank Castle only kills villains. If you have a guy whose family is murdered in front of him, former soldier, and he goes out and he starts hunting down um, drug dealers and killing them, which is what Frank what Frank yeah. Castle does. I'm still pretty sure, and yes, I realize he's considered a villain by the authorities in the Marvel Universe, even though he's the hero of his book. But if that happened in real life, he would be number one on the FBI's I, most wanted list, and, want, we would, and I, I would want him stopped before he shoots the wrong person on accident. Yeah, I would want him in prison as soon as possible. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that, that's, like, I find the Punisher a fascinating character concept. I've always had trouble with him existing coexisting in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. I just, I have a tough time believing Captain America would go to bed tonight until Frank Castle was in jail. Mm-hmm. I, there, there would be no team up. Um, but, but that, that gets into this whole thing of, you know, how we view these characters and what speaks to us. And, well, that compares, you know, what is the difference between Punisher and Deathwish? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Which, and, and movies like that were certainly, you know, Punisher came about at the same time as those original Deathwish movies and the executioner novels mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. So <laughs> Bernard gets, but I think we're moving off, and I think that's actually probably a pretty good place to finish up. Well, I'd like to thank John for coming on with us. Thanks, John. Thank you. <laughs> and, the, and, you know, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, we'll have to decide what the topic is for the next show. Maybe it's um, maybe it's vigilantes. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's mythology. Wayne and I will work that out, and we will post to the Facebook group. If you um, are not a member of the Facebook group, it is facebook.com slash Vox Popcast because it was available. Um, (laughs) If you are, and it will repost everything that we post to the blog will be posted to Facebook. If you comment on Facebook, it will comment on the blog. Um, But you can also comment on the blog. You can follow us on Twitter at Vox Popcast or 
that's again, you can follow me at Chris Maverick on chrismaverick.com. Wayne, follow me at uh, what is my Twitter? I rarely use it that yeah. at, at Wayne underscore wise. Yes, and, um, and I'm on Facebook. Uh, I have my own blog, which is wayne wise.com, uh, where I talk about some of this stuff and all kinds of other stuff as well. John. And I'm a Luddite, so you can't really follow me anywhere. <laughs> Stop following me. John is an enigma into the universe. And he, he watches over us. He's like, he's a myth like Batman. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, well, and that's awesome. Oh, I wish we'd gotten into that. Again, another show, but the idea that Batman in his world, in his digesis, is, is an urban legend. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. um, if, if, if you want to see this live, you can show up a fan of the Attic Comics time on Wednesday <laughs> afternoon, pretty much any Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to thank um, uh, my friend Max Maximilian of Thoughtform Music, uh, who you can also follow on Twitter, who wrote our uh, very catchy, very overpowering theme song, um, and will probably write all the music for this pop uh, for this podcast or podcast, as I like to call it. And if you are interested in giving us a topic or on uh, being on the next show or any or a future show. Absolutely contact us on the website or on the Facebook page, and that's how we're going to find people. So thanks again, John. Thanks. Thank you. All right. And we will see you all next time. Bye.